0: Your lack of discipline will cost you tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars. So my advice to you is to get your discipline up, get your financial education up, because there's a huge price for not having discipline and the personal finance education. Hey, bestie, let's talk about money. Specifically, how to financially secure yourself as a spoiled girly. We will be talking about prenups, spousal IRAs, and life insurance. As a disclaimer, I am not a finance professional, just a spoiled girly who loves to talk about Take this advice at your own risk and consult a professional for more guidance. Before the no nuance Nellies come in here saying that we're setting women back, depending on men. Are you for real? Men depend on us to grow their progeny and we can't even depend on them to hold it down while they use our bodies and our energies to grow and care for their next generation. Are you like so for real right now? Making it easier for men to access and exploit women in a patriarchy, telling us that women shouldn't vet men for financial ability and willingness to provide because it's regressive. When it is us who bear the biological responsibilities, the lost time, the lost labor, the opportunity costs, all for a shared goal. While these men get fatherhood benefits at work and us women in turn get the motherhood penalty. Plus all the demerits and costs that women bear to engage in our biological imperative like What's so regressive about telling women that we're already doing enough growing a human being, we're already doing enough stepping back from the workforce, we're already doing enough scaling back our participation in the labor market because we want to accomplish a shared goal that we have with these men. Y'all are really telling us women that commanding provision from these men who subject us to all these sacrifices and risks for a shared goal all while benefiting from said sacrifices and risks is anti-women regressive Harmful. I'm over it. For the record, the least these men can do is pay, okay? The least they can do is pay. And for the below bare minimum low effort men who think that this video applies to them, crying about gold diggers when they have no gold, Sir, you need to sit this one out because you're in survival mode. You have no business accessing women. You can't even pay for a dinner date. There is no way that the prenups and spousal IRA conversations will apply to you, okay? Sit this one out. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get into it. Let me set the tone for you right now. When men access you in any way, shape, or form, they need to pay. As Sylvia wrote, we want money. Watch that video for a more comprehensive education on just how much men harvest from women and the least they can do is pay for it. You're welcome. And to further set the tone, let me play you these two videos. A man who uses
1: a woman to walk inside the house for free so that he can walk outside the house for pay, isn't he a provider? He's a gold digger. So the other day on Instagram, I reshared this tweet: "Men don't support their wives who stay at home to raise their children. Women support men's careers by providing unpaid childcare, housework, meals, and overall family life management services." And I had a friend respond to that with such a good point that I think it's well worth sharing on this platform as well. So I did some research and I was looking for a city in the United States that had a very average cost of living. I decided on was Charlotte, North Carolina. On this website the cost of living score is based on the US average of 100 and amount below 100 means Charlotte is cheaper than the US average and it is 99.7 so it's very close. Most of the other sites that I saw said Charlotte was actually below the cost of average by a couple percentage points so I think this is a pretty good measure. Then I looked up what is the average cost of a nanny in Charlotte, North Carolina. The average cost is $14.68 an hour. Now for simplicity's sake, that is the hourly rate I'm going to use, but I do want to point out that all of these factors, other than the part time, would increase the hourly rate just for having a driver's license. That pushes the hourly rate over $16 an hour. But right now we're working with $14.68. So let's say you needed a nanny for your working hours. So we're gonna say 40 hours a week. I'm not factoring in lunches, I'm not factoring in travel time, just a blanket statement, 40 hours a week. That would cost you $587 a week. $30,500 a year. And that's just for the nanny. That does not include grocery shopping, meal preparation, household chores, household management. It does not include any of that. And if you want it to include that, you will have to pay even more. So I want you to think about it this way. If you have a partner that stays at home with your children full time, which also, by the way, the price would also go up depending on what type of child needs care, If something were to happen to that partner tragically that they were no more and you had to then pay for the services that they were providing for free just for your working hours, you would have to find an additional 30 grand. And again, to reemphasize, that does not even include housework, laundry, groceries, meal prep, none of that. Simply to watch your kids for your working hours, you would have to find an additional 30 grand. And your partner that you're supporting is doing that. For free. And this is why we say domestic labor is unappreciated, because that labor is not valued when it's within the context of a relationship. But if you were ever to be put in a position where you had to value it financially, you would be out over 30 grand a year on average. God help your soul if you live somewhere like Seattle, New York, Chicago. God help you if you ever got put in that position. So can we please as a society start valuing the work and the labor that goes into running a household it matters Do you get it now just because domestic labor comes naturally to you just
0: because it's easy for you Doesn't mean that your labor has no value think of it this way Just because your nine-to-five is easy to you like you think accounting is easy You think marketing is easy doesn't mean that you should stop getting paid for it just because it's easy and it comes natural to you So why would your domestic labor be any different because at the end of the day your labor at your workplace, your employer benefits from it. At the end of the day, your male partner benefits from your labor in the home. Even the mental labor of managing this man's labor is labor in and of itself. So I see women putting their men on pips, giving their men chore charts, and administrating and managing this man's labor, making sure that he did it right, making sure that he did it at all. What is happening? That in itself is labor. And this man dares to make you subsidize half of his existence? Can we not? Like, bestie, you need to grow some self-worth. It's sad. It really is. And I'm not saying that to make you feel bad if that's your situation. I'm just waking you up to how that is not normal. And I hate that it has been normalized for us. Just because something has been normalized doesn't mean that it should be normal. If you're in the girlfriend-boyfriend stage, it's just gonna get worse as you progress more in this relationship he will lean back more and more and you will have to do more and more the worst relationship that you can place yourself into is when you're always doing a man putting you in the doing mode in the doing energy in the proving energy that's a red flag if you're the one who's always doing the labor of keeping up this relationship of keeping up the home keeping up this man's existence it's not gonna work out bestie you will suffer this man will make you suffer back to the topic from a previous video it talked about how categorizing and quantifying your own labor prevents your own exploitation. And how men paying for access to us by protecting and providing alleviates the exploitative nature of male-female relationships. So let's talk about how to get paid. And the very first thing we need to discuss is opportunity cost. We touched on opportunity cost in this class, so if you missed it, I will need a one-pager double-spaced is fine. The reality of our biology as women is that our fertility exists within a small window versus that of men. So if you desire children, you you have to find a stable partner within that window if you desire children big Choosing a certain man to partner with is at the cost of not choosing another man to partner with. Every choice has a trade-off. And if you choose wrong, the consequences for women are more biologically and financially severe. So it is up to us to be choosy. And that's why there are financial safeguards available to us women to alleviate the impact of these costs. Actually, these safeguards are available to both men and women, but this is the Spoiled Girly support group. We only talk about spoiled girly things get your own support group okay so done with people invading our spaces and it's not even your space women's time is much more valuable so any man taking up your time and making you incur these opportunity costs have to compensate you for the opportunity costs this is why it always baffled me whenever men who became successful within their marriage complained that their wife took everything men who kept their wives within the maximum tolerable level of unhappiness and then complained that their wives left with their equity and alimony and child support obviously not all situations are the same but this now successful man who became successful within the marriage he was perfectly fine using her body he was perfectly fine with her taking a step back from her own career from whatever income generating thing she was doing so that she can have and raise his kids and free up his domestic labor so that he can focus on his business this man who became successful within the marriage attributes his success only to himself and he thinks that it was a service to him his wife that he allowed her to stay home. That just rubs me the wrong way. Especially when men complain about alimony and child support in these situations because You were perfectly fine using her just because she didn't labor in the same office, warehouse, whatever, wherever you build your business, doesn't mean that she wasn't a part of it. And what is it that men always tell women whenever we have bad experiences with men? You should have picked better. You can't use a woman's time, body, and labor like that and expect her to walk away with nothing when she put in just as much into your financial success. This is not just like online rhetoric, okay? This is law. You know why? Because a lot of these women exiting these situations with provider husbands who want to leave them with nothing when they have used the woman's time labor to build themselves up, you know, because they're the original gold diggers, by the way. If current laws did not hold these men accountable, no one will. So the government stepped in and made these provisions for alimony and child support. Certain states have different laws, so you need to do your research. And any man who complains about child support and alimony, that is a red flag. If you're dating a divorced man and he complains about his ex-wife, all oh, alimony, that child support. Don't think that you're special, okay? Because what he's doing to her, he will do to you. You are not any better because you got with him after the divorce. So any man who complains about that, red flag. Block. Delete. Bye. Whenever I talk about these topics, I always get women who say, This is why I will always work. I will never take a step back. This is why I will never depend on a man. If he can feed you, he can starve you. And okay, I can't make fun of that because a lot of it is true, okay? I'm not gonna make fun of it. But... It's not really the whole picture. That's scarcity mindset because if you cannot depend on your male partner, who can you depend on? What is he for if not to depend on? I don't get it. Whenever you go into relationships thinking that, oh, I can't depend on him, guess what you're gonna attract? You are going to attract men who are not dependable because you never vetted for it. Can we like, grow some discernment whenever you put out this energy that I'm a strong independent woman I don't need no man I can't depend on anyone you're going to attract people who are not dependable who are not trustworthy you need to be mindful of the thoughts that you put out in the world because that's what you're gonna attract I used to resonate with a lot of that rhetoric the I can't depend on no man rhetoric until I realized that it comes from a place of reactionary scarcity until I realized that being hyper independent is a trauma response from when I couldn't depend on the people I had to depend on we talk so much much about how women suffer by doing it all to have it all when men can have it all without doing it all because men having it all is built off of the backs of women doing it all by the way if you missed that class watch that episode yes women can be working mothers and a lot choose to be working mothers but refusing to work while also being a mother is a valid choice and even if you're a working mom this episode still applies to you because you still had to make certain sacrifices that this man didn't have to make your sacrifices your labor your risks those have value and they need to be compensated we've seen in real life just how much men can hurt women financially. We've seen in real life how men can leave women impoverished. We've seen in our statistics the damage that irresponsible men have caused on women and children's outcomes. But we've also seen women exhausted from having it all because they were doing it all. We've seen women crying coming home to a dirty house after a 12 hour shift. We've seen women making self-deprecating TikToks because they're working on their feet at nine months pregnant because they married for love and not money. We've seen women crying at work with wet spots on their dress shirts because they had to leave their baby at home because they had to go back to work because they had to provide for their families. All they want to do is stay home with their babies but they can't. We see suffering on both fronts and I'm sick of it. There has to be a better way. And this is the better way. Because I see the better way. The better way is all around me. And I want to make it abundantly clear that this video is all about financial literacy and independence. What I'm about to show you is about financially securing yourself when you are with the good provider man who wants nothing but the best for you. I understand not everyone has such a partner, but that's the goal. First, you need to have some sort of education and marketable skills. That's a non-negotiable. Go to college, go get your certification, get an internship, whatever. Make sure that you have marketable skills, especially if you desire children and homemaking. It's a non-negotiable. You need to make it so that the worst case scenario is you have to get a well-paying job. If your world turns upside down, like the worst thing to happen is you have to get a job. A lot of the younger girlies like to ask me, should I go to college or should I just find a provider man and get married? Bestie, if you can go to college, Go to college. Then get married. Do what you need to do to develop a self-concept. Education is one of those things that expands your choice and not limits your choice. The world can be your oyster if you make decisions that expand your choice. College education is one of those things that also confers cultural and social capital on you and that social and cultural capital you can then use to move in spaces that you want to be in. It doesn't have to be from a university, it could be from anywhere as long as it results in marketable skills for you marketable skills that you can keep up over time because to be honest being a spoiled girly you have a lot of free time especially if you don't have kids you have so much free time like there's so much free time when you are a spoiled girly so what else are you going to do you are going to keep up your marketable skills and a lot of the time these marketable skills are things that come naturally to you we've talked about that in past classes is you need to go the path of least resistance whatever comes naturally to you like i love talking so this is it this is my marketable skill communications. I wasn't a communications major, but here I am. It doesn't have to be anything extra. As long as you can get like a job that can sustain you no matter what, you're good. Get your education up. One thing you need to keep in mind as well is that if you want highly educated, high-performing children, these traits stem from the mother's education, less so the father's. So whatever you want to see in your children in that department, you have to embody it in yourself. That also explains why a lot of these high-earning high-performing men they tend to be with women who are also high-earning high-performing because even though the woman doesn't work as much as she did before children she can still pass on these traits the genetics the habits that made her high-performing and high-earning to her children so that they can be high-earning and high-performing so Let's talk about prenups. A lot of women have this general automatic negative gut reaction to prenups because the perception is that you're gonna get screwed over that it is to your disadvantage if a man makes you sign a prenup, bestie. Prenups are supposed to benefit the both of you. Especially if you're a high earning girly, you have assets, If you're that girly, then you're probably not even worried about a prenup because you're the one who wants a man to sign a prenup. But if you're a girly who is asked to sign a prenup, especially if it's a good relationship, like he's a really good guy and he asks you to sign a prenup because he's financially literate. It's getting financial literacy. If you get asked to sign a prenup, it's not a big deal. Here's what you're gonna do. You Google. Best ex-city divorce lawyer. Have them represent you in your prenup negotiations. Your lawyer will know the certain terms and stipulations that you want to put in your prenup. They will advocate for you because they're your lawyer. Don't get all frazzled that you got asked to sign a prenup. Like it's supposed to be for your benefit too. Don't get mad. Get paid. Let's talk about spousal IRAs. A spousal IRA is a strategy that allows a working spouse to invest in the name of a non-working spouse with no income or very little income. To invest in an IRA, usually you need to have earned income, but if you're not working, your husband can invest in your IRA for you. You have two decisions to make. What type of IRA and which institution to open the account with. People usually choose between traditional and Roth. Each has its own pros and cons, but here's the down low. If you invest in a traditional IRA now, you don't pay taxes now on that earned income, but you do when you withdraw when you retire. A lot of people use it as a way to lower their taxable income for the year. If you choose a Roth IRA, you pay taxes now, but you don't have to when you withdraw when you retire. So the difference is basically when you pay the taxes. Who owns the spousal IRA account? Ownership of assets within a marriage, it can be complicated, but in general, the spousal IRA is in the name of the spouse that the investment account is for. not necessarily the name of the spouse that is putting money in. So do with that information what you will. IRAs do have income limits, so if you're spoiled girly dating a higher earner, this might not even apply to you. And this brings us to standard brokerage accounts. A standard brokerage account is an investment account that allows you to trade stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs. We will touch Proverbs 31 woman in a future episode, and a lot of this plays into that. A lot of spoiled girly Proverbs 31 women do that within the standard brokerage account. Ooh. I have tea for you. After analyzing more than 5 million customers over a 10-year period, Fidelity found women investors outperformed their male counterparts by 40 basis points, or 0.4% on average. This number may seem small, but over decades, 0.4% can be a meaningful increase in overall returns. The article listed four reasons why women tend to be better investors. Number one, women buy and sell less often, approximately half as often as men. Number two, women are more likely to have a well-balanced portfolio. Number three, women ask for and listen to advice. Number four, female investors stick to the plan. Nationwide Financial found that only 8% of women liquidated their retirement accounts in the event of an economic downturn versus 15% of men. Women are also less likely to jump on new trends and potentially volatile investments such as crypto. All this to say, don't underestimate your ability to invest for yourself and your family. Especially with today's technology, investing has become so accessible. There's literally apps that you can download right now and you can start investing like right now. We'll touch on those in future Creator Rich Life episodes. Next topic, let's talk about life insurance. It's like so icky talking about these things because you don't want to think about them, but then you have to. And then if you don't think about them, it's like you're just really disadvantaging yourself. There's like an ick factor, but that's what financial planning is. It's planning for the things that you don't want to happen, but they may happen. And you just have to deal with it. If you don't take anything from this video, aside from the education part, that's not negotiable too. Life insurance is not negotiable, especially if you are stepping back, having children, this and that, like, You need life insurance. Your life insurance policy will give you time to grieve, reassess, start a business, maybe get more education, find employment. Especially if you have a mortgage on your home and you want to stay in your home, a lot of the time, if you are the lower earning partner, you won't qualify for the loan that is on your house. So you need the life insurance policy to pay off the mortgage on your home so you could stay there. Like I said, it is non-negotiable. There are different types of life insurance and a lot of people choose between term and whole. There's pros and cons obviously, but the social media finance gurus tend to love term life insurance. And I kinda agree, even though I'm not an expert, i agree term life insurance you get lower costs every month basically you take out a policy for a certain time frame not like your whole life at the end of the day it's totally up to you and i just want to make a special mention to tell you that i have beef with iuls if you have ever seen the iul tiktoks people who are selling iuls IUL stand for Index Universal Life Insurance. You get high fees, cap gains, and low return. They claim to track the S&P 500 after they take out their fees. Cap your gain at 10% annually. For what? I can't be too harsh in my humble amateur opinion about IULs. For a lot of people who don't have the background and the discipline to invest by themselves, it's better than nothing. Which gets me to this point. Your lack of discipline will cost you tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars. So my advice to you is to get your discipline up, get your financial education up, because there's a huge price for not having discipline and the personal finance education. In summary, being a spoiled girly, being with a provider doesn't mean that you're automatically financially disadvantaged. There are ways that you can protect yourself financially and grow your family's wealth passively when you step out of the workforce to fulfill your shared goals. That's all I have for you today. I just wanted to let you know that you have so many options options in this world. And that if you make decisions expanding your choice, the world is literally your oyster. Now get that bag, bestie.